Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war Welcome to Nurses Out Loud. I am your host, Nurse April, and today I want to talk to you about the next pandemic that might already be upon us. Um, I don't know if you guys have been paying attention to, but I'm, I don't even know why I said that because I know you have. I know you guys have been paying attention to all of the little nuggets and crumbs that they've left out there. And I know some of my other nurse hosts have talked about the the most recent tabletop exercise by Bill Gates, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, alongside with John Hopkins. Uh, and that one was titled Catastrophic Contagion. I don't know if you guys are familiar with what they were talking about and what they were hypothetically deeming the next virus. But I want to talk about that today. And I want to talk about what I've been seeing and wondering if you guys are seeing the same thing. So real quick, Nurses Out Loud airs Monday through Friday, um, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time with an encore at 10 p.m. Last week, I said the wrong thing. I said 11 p.m., but I I was totally off my rocker. It's 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if you missed the first show in the morning, um, you can listen later on in the evening, or you can always listen on the podcast, which is usually about a day or two after you can find it on any of your favorite podcasting apps. We ask that you um, listen to the commercials, support our sponsors. That's what gives us the opportunity to continue to be on the air. And let's get into this. So I've been thinking about this because I had a conversation with my sister a few days ago, and she mentioned that my niece was sick and she had these symptoms, um, GI symptoms. So she had projectile vomiting. She was already nauseous before that, of course. Then she had projectile vomiting and then she was suffering with diarrhea and a headache and a fever. And I remember her telling me that my, my nephew, her son was sick about back in May, completely different time. Um, and my niece, she never got sick that time. And so it was weird because they were sleeping in the same bed. They happened to be on vacation when they got sick. Well, when he got sick and even though he and his sister had slept in the same bed, she never got sick with, with this virus that he had. And so the fact that she just recently uh, got sick out of nowhere, it seems was interesting. What else was interesting to me was the fact that um, there's been these outbreaks on cruise ships. I don't know if you guys have seen that news, but there was a couple outbreaks. One that happened, I think, back in March, and it was on the Princess Cruise Line, I believe. And there were about 300 passengers and crew members in total who actually got sick with this. um, I believe it was the norovirus. And the norovirus is this gastrointestinal virus. It causes diarrhea, vomiting, vomiting. 
and um, what else? Neurovirus, yes, diarrhea and vomiting. So all these people got sick on that cruise ship. And then a few months later, just recently in May, there was another outbreak on another cruise ship. Same thing. I think that time there was like 177-ish people who got sick on that one. And I remember during COVID, the same thing happened. There was these cruise lines where all these people were coming down with these illnesses and they're having to quarantine in their rooms, which to me is torture in and of itself. But, you know, they were trying to do all these extra measures of cleaning the ship and doing all these things to try to prevent the, the virus from spreading with limited success. And so here it is again, that we are finding these outbreaks happening on cruise ships, which isn't new. Of course, you're in this confined space. Everyone is sharing and touching the same things and eating at these buffets. And, you know, just it's, it's easy. It's easy to see how a virus could spread on a cruise ship, of course, but it's just, you know, I'm always looking at the little signs, just taking them in, you know, just logging them in the back of my head. So when I'm, I'm hearing about these cruise ships that are having these outbreaks, and then I'm hearing about how these children's hospitals are preparing for this next pandemic, which they believe is going to really affect children. I don't know if you guys have heard about that. And I think I've even talked about it before on a previous episode, but you know, it was interesting to me that these hospitals are preparing for a viral outbreak that they believe is intentionally going to target children. Like, how would you know that? I don't know. It seems strange, but that's what they're doing. And so of course, with that little nugget logged in the back of my head, and then I'm thinking, okay, now why am I hearing more instances? Cause my niece and nephew weren't the first ones that I heard about or the only ones that I heard about. There were other pediatric aged you know, younger children coming down with these gastrointestinal illnesses, right? One of my colleagues, both her children were sick recently. Um, I've heard of adults coming down with the same uh, symptoms. I know that right now there seems to be this virus going around. Some people are getting COVID again, or some people are getting sickness that's similar to COVID. They're testing negative for COVID, but the same symptoms. Several people close to me that I know have come down with it. And I actually got a call from someone recently who was out in California and her husband and she both came down with it. And I'm like, okay, all right, this is going around again, but what is it? Because they're all testing negative for COVID, but it's very, very similar to COVID. And because these global elites, these scientists, these people who have put themselves in positions of power to determine how we are going to live our lives moving forward, have been giving us these warnings about future pandemics and how we need to be prepared and all of these things. I can't help but to look at everything with a suspicious eye. I'm suspicious you know, cause I feel like this is intentional and you all know, I, I think that this is not by accident. This is with intent. So I did a little research, a little digging, and I came across 
the most recent tabletop exercise by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation alongside John Hopkins University. And that's the one that was titled Catastrophic Contagion. So their latest hypothetical virus, remember this isn't real, this is hypothetical, but it's very, very similar. The same type of exercises that they did in 2019, right before the COVID pandemic came out, are the same exercises that they continue to do. And so in this recent one, they titled the virus Severe Epidemic Enterovirus Respiratory Syndrome 2025. And in that video, they highlight that because they, they don't put a, as much information on this particular website that they did previously during the 2019 uh, tabletop exercises. But remember, the 2019 exercises were so similar to what actually ended up happening, where there was this coronavirus outbreak, just like in their exercises, that's what happened. And the response to the outbreak and all of those things fell in line so much that you would think either somebody is prophetic or this was planned. So in this particular one, they're saying there's this severe epidemic enterovirus respiratory syndrome. Enterovirus is something affecting the GI system, interestingly enough. Isn't that what we are seeing? At least that's what I'm seeing. And there was this one part in the video. They have this highlights reel that they have that they allow us to see. And they're talking, all the different participants were really just talking about the importance of leadership, leadership, global leadership, you know, solidarity, having a, a response to this pandemic where they're working together and everyone's in agreement. And they were really heavily focusing on this leadership and having people in positions of leadership, right? And so at the end of the video, they have this, um, this warning. And it was, you know, it was, it's, again, not supposed to be real. This is just a part of their tabletop exercises. So it was some actress that they chose to, to make this kind of, um, I guess, phony interview where they were summarizing the effects of the pandemic. And this is what she said. And I'm quoting this. I actually wrote down every word that she said, because I thought it was very important and significant. She said, as of today, there have been an estimated 1 billion cases worldwide with more than 20 million deaths, including nearly 15 million children. Countless millions are alive, but left with paralysis or brain damage. The most successful countries are those which invested in preparedness and trained for this moment years in advance. This included having full-time pandemic preparedness and response teams, which conducted detailed operational planning and routinely tested those plans through exercises and drills. If more countries had participated and heeded the guidance, the toll might have been much less. Now, if you would have seen this video and I suggest, and, I'm, and if you go to the show notes, I will have a link to it so you can watch it for yourself. I want you to see it. And I want you to watch how they have it. It's, you know, it's kind of dark background and it seems ominous. It really came across to me like a threat. Like this is their marketing tool to let countries around the world know this is what's coming. 
And if you want to decrease the toll that it's going to have on your population, we suggest that you get involved now that you start building these teams and start training that you start having these um, preparedness response teams, conducting operational planning routinely going through these exercises and drills. And if you do it now, you might limit the devastating impact of this upcoming pandemic. And if you don't, it's your fault. So I'm sure those people who are in charge of these different countries have picked up on the same warning that I just picked up on. Cause what am I, who am I? I'm nobody, right? But we know that they plant these little clues in the media. They plant these clues all throughout movies, throughout the media, throughout the news organizations and newspapers and articles. It's out there because those in the know have to be able to find the clues, right? They tell us what they're going to do before they do it. And so now the fact that we are starting to see this virus start to circulate makes me wonder, is this a part of those exercises and drills? Is this a part of their operational planning? They're conducting these tests in advance to make sure that when the actual pandemic happens, they've already had a chance to practice their responses, that they've already had a chance to prepare the minds of the masses. Because there was another interesting article that I came across. So the article that I came across was from CNN Health. Of course, not to be trusted, but at the same time, yes, we do want to look at these type of sources because they're leaving us clues. But in this article, what it said was, and I'm quoting, respiratory infections are the leading cause of death for children around the world and the number one reason kids are hospitalized in the United States. But scientists don't know what causes a good chunk of them, says Dr. John Williams, a pediatrician at the University of Pittsburgh who has spent his career researching vaccines and treatments for HMPV, which is this new virus. Well, it's not really a new virus. It's a virus that they found back in early 2000, and they're starting to diagnose more people with it. My point in bringing this up is, how is respiratory infections the leading cause of death for children around the world? And if you listen to or read another article, they'll say gun violence is the leading cause of death. And then you listen to something else that says, suicide is the leading cause of death. And someone else will say, uh, you know, cardiac death. I mean, the number one, what I want to point out and what I want you to realize is that they will manipulate the data to suit whatever it is that they are trying to convey. So I want to understand where they're coming up with this information. And of course, there's no reference that I could look this information up to compare what they're saying what claims they're making that respiratory infections are the leading cause of death. And that if you want to go ahead and do some more research and dig into that, that's certainly um, worth doing. I'm not going to do it because I really truly believe that there is so much manipulation and statistics that it doesn't even matter to me anymore. So anyway, I made that point because, okay, they're going to hype this stuff up in order to, push their agenda. And one of the things that I was thinking about is how interesting it is to have these entities or these organizations whose sole focus is on pandemic preparedness or avoiding the next pandemic, uh, 
viruses that could lead to a pandemic. I came across another article that talked about the top, I think nine or 10 viruses that are of concern for people in this industry and what they're looking at. And one of the viruses was called virus X, which is like, an, it's basically this, an unknown pathogen that's capable of causing great destruction, of course. So that really gives them a lot of wiggle room, right? To, to either find something new in order to keep themselves relevant, right? So there's always something out there, which is true. I mean, the thing is, it's, the reality is, yes, there is potentially a virus out there that we do not know yet that could wreak havoc on the human population. But when you think about the fact that they are scientists and these are companies, these are professors, these are researchers whose their entire identity is tied up in this industry, their livelihood, their finances, their ability to support their family and their employees, their ability to make a profit, their ability to be relevant is all tied up in the potential or the existence of a pandemic worthy enough to garner all of the attention, all of the funding, support, and power they could dream of. It seems like this gives people an opportunity to do nefarious things. Because if your, your whole purpose in life is only successful if you can convince people that you are worthy and that your concern or that your research or that the work that you're doing is worthy of their investment and their time. Is there a chance that you might start to create problems where problems otherwise did not exist? So these are questions and these are things that I, you know, ponder in my head. And the fact that knowing that people are not to be trusted, I used to, I used to be one who people often would say was naive. I believe the best in all people. And I think that that's a, a youthful mindset. I used to believe that everyone was good and no one intends to harm people. And if they did, there's a good reason for it. Then as time went on and as I became more mature and as I lived life and saw things happening all around me that actually negated that, that mind view that, I mean, that worldview, then I started to move to the other side of, you know, trust, but verify. Okay. So if someone tells me something, I'm going to lean toward trusting that they're not going to openly or blatantly lie to me in my face, but I'm going to verify whether or not what they're saying is true because I have been lied to so many times that it just has changed my worldview. And I'd say now that I'm leaning more toward not just trusting, but verifying, but I don't trust and will verify. So you can tell me something and I seem to lean toward, I don't believe you. Let me see it for myself. 
which is something that's really going to be problematic with this next rollout. So if you guys have been following the World Health Organization pandemic treaty and how they've been working on these edits, all the countries who are a part of the World Health Organization has the next few months to work on edits to the treaty before it rolls out with its final version. And from watching an expert on this particular um, this particular thing, um, this treaty, there is some confusion a- around it. So I think a lot of people think that there is an opportunity for us to vote on this. And if we don't like it, we can vote uh, against it, but that's actually not the case. This is not up for debate amongst us, we the people. Being a part of the World Health Organization means that when they roll out with edicts or guidelines, unless you go in specifically and push back against it as a nation, then they will accept, they consider it an acceptance because you're a part of this organization. And what they were doing, I think before you had like 18 months to, to um, notify them of your disapproval of something that they were doing. And if after that you don't notify them, then they, you know, you have no recourse. Well, they're trying to shorten the length of time where people can actually uh, push back where people who are, and not only that, there are designated people in each country who have been given the responsibility of saying yes or no to these different changes that they make. They're our spokesperson for the nation. Um, the video that I was watching with this particular expert was he, he didn't even know who the spokesperson was for the United States, which is insane. But these changes and these edits that have been made by different countries all over the world, one of the changes that I recently heard about was that they want to limit the amount of information that is disseminated. They want to limit how much information regarding these pandemics and regarding health Um, they want to limit the amount of information that's allowed to be disseminated. And guess who was in support of that? The good old U.S. of A. So when I say I personally don't trust people and, and I want to verify for myself, I want to see it for myself. What happens when we get into a situation where this, you know, uh, global treaty gets put into practice and we're not allowed to have access to the information? Because they've already talked about how they're going to be the ones who are arbiters of the truth. They're going to be the ones to determine what is and what is not a pandemic. That they have outlined that pandemics can be uh, considered pandemics of misinformation. So, I mean, they consider that even worthy of them stepping in and taking over the sovereign rights of citizens in nations across the globe. Misinformation pandemic. I mean, these people are actually insane. And if you weren't following it, if you were just hearing snippets of it, or or say you were, you know, in a debate, because I've I've had these debates with people, I'm sure you all have as well, and they actually think you're crazy and you're a conspiracy theorist. And even one of the links that I've included in the show notes, the on YouTube, they actually put one of these labels underneath the video and it's from Redacted. So I don't know if, if you guys follow Redacted, I follow them. I look forward to watching them. They are right one of my main news sources that I go to. 
it was under one of their videos and they talked about, you know, how it was a conspiracy theory, right? And what we know right now about conspiracy theories is what? A conspiracy theory is typically validated or found to be true within a few months or years from the time that it first comes out. The conspiracy theorists have been right far more often than the mainstream media. So if some if if YouTube deems it necessary to label a video as a conspiracy theory, I suggest you watch it. See what they have to say and see why the mainstream media doesn't want you to believe what they're saying. It could save your life. On the other side of this break, I do have to go to break real quick and I really hope that you guys listen to the commercials, find out who our sponsors are, support our sponsors. They're good companies and supporting our sponsors helps us to stay on air, like I said before. But on the other side of this break, let's talk some more about the potential that the next pandemic is already upon us. It's time in this The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the wellness company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free, love it, or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud. We are fighting the ultimate fight between good and evil. AmericaOutloud.com replaces groupthink with innovative think. Well, it was Walt Whitman, the poet, who said, keep your face always toward the sunshine and shadows will fall behind you. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. Hey, welcome back to Nurses Out Loud. I am your host, Nurse April, and I was talking about my theory that the next pandemic could potentially be already upon us. And I say that, but also I recognize that this could just be a test, right? This could be one of those testing exercises that they do to prepare us and get us ready. And the reason why I I say that is because so far the people that I know who've gotten really sick from this new virus that's out, that's circulating, none of them have had to be hospitalized. And the warning that we got from Bill Gates and his people was that this next contagion was going to be catastrophic and that it was going to really affect children. So before the break, I actually had read to you the warning that they gave during this tabletop exercise. And I'm going to go ahead and read it again, because I, in case you missed it, I really, really want you to, to, to hang on to this information. 
hang on to it because if it's anything like the previous tabletop exercise that they did prior to COVID, it was spot on. Okay. And they've given us these warnings that are outside of, because what one of the things that they did with this tabletop exercise, catastrophic contagion, is that they said, oh, this is just made up. This is not real. This is just a hypothetical because we want to go through these exercises to make sure people are ready. Right. But interestingly enough, there have been plenty of clips that have come out from Bill Gates since then and continue to come out where they're from other experts who are talking about the potential for this um, gastrointestinal, sorry about that, this gastrointestinal illness to sweep across the globe and to cause all of this sickness and death. And then it was going to hit children. And they even mentioned recently, I can't remember where I heard it, but they mentioned recently that it has already begun in some other countries. I believe, and I could be wrong, but those countries that they mentioned happen to be over on the continent of Africa. Another reason why I suggest you watch this, and the link is in the description, but I suggest you watch this catastrophic contagion is I want you to go to that and I want you to look at the participants. Because one other thing that stood out to me was how many of them happened to be from African nations. It was very, it was just another one of those nuggets that, you know, I just put in my head and tuck away and think it's another one of those things that I wonder how this is all playing together. I think it's a sign. I think it's a clue. And, and I, and I'm just all about playing this game of, of pointing out the clues and seeing if we can figure out how to fight back and protect ourselves and our family against whatever nefarious things they have planned for us. Right. So Anyway, let me read this quote to you again. Again, this was from their hypothetical drill. And it was at the very end of their uh, video that they had where it was just summarizing the event. There was just a few clips that they put in there. But this quote verbatim, this is what this woman said. As of today, there have been an estimated 1 billion cases worldwide with more than 20 million deaths, including nearly 15 million children. Countless millions are alive, but left with paralysis or brain damage. The most successful countries are those which invested in preparedness and trained for this moment years in advance. This included having full-time pandemic preparedness and response teams, which conducted detailed operational planning and routinely tested those plans through exercises and drills. If more countries had participated and heeded the guidance, the toll might have been much less, end quote. What stuck out to me, 20 million deaths, 15 million children. So obviously their focus again in this exercise, as well as what they've been telling us is, this is really going to be a pandemic that's going to affect children. Now, covid I think there was a total that they're calling, they're claiming that there was a total of about one plus million deaths globally. So imagine 15 million children dying, 20 million people in total, but 15 million children and countless millions. So on top of the 15 million children that they're predicting, they're saying countless millions will be left with paralysis or brain damage. That makes me think back to um, 
which pandemic was it where they had a lot of people ended up paralyzed and on that iron lung? Can't remember right now. And it's a big one. I know it's at the tip of my tongue. You guys will remember, but you know, a lot of people believe that the paralysis was because of the vaccines. Another thing that's worthy of investigation, if you ask me, worthy of investigation, but having paralysis or brain damage. Obviously, they're saying this is going to be heavily affecting children. So imagine having a large swath of the population of children paralyzed or left brain damaged. Now, we're already seeing with this current pandemic and the response using these uh, mRNA injections, a lot of children have been injured. People are constantly dying still. There's this uh, you know, increase in unexpected deaths globally. Um, but we're also seeing that even though people have survived, they are having catastrophic side effects that are leaving them unable to care for themselves and their families, leaving them in, in disabled states. So if this particular technology, this injection was able to do that to these many people, we, we're only seeing the beginnings of it. We are gonna start to see it's going to impact us in a way that we can't even imagine. Because when you think about it, we're already on a population decline, significant population decline, because people aren't having as many children. And this is global. The replacement rate for countries like Japan, uh, China, America, uh, uh, industrialized nations in general, the replacement rate, the number of people having children to replace themselves when they die is significantly lower than is necessary to keep the country or keep the society going. Okay. Meaning, you know, there's not going to be enough people to fill all the jobs that need to be done to keep up with manufacturing demands, food production demands, um, the demands for just gross domestic products. So there's not going to be enough people to keep up with the demands, right? There's not going to be enough people to take care of the, the elderly people, those who are aging out, those who aren't going to be able to continue to work, but also are going to be uh, heavily dependent on the healthcare system. There's not going to be enough people to take care of them. And on top of that, what we're seeing is an increased number of um, people struggling with infertility. Well, many people believe it is directly related to these uh, mRNA injections. We are seeing an increased rate of uh, cancers, turbo cancers. We are seeing a decreased rate of uh, semen production, right? So men's uh, semen count is going down. And to, to the point where, I mean, there have been documentaries about this, where it is, it's trending towards zero. So combining all of the environmental exposures, the food toxins, and now these, these uh, injections that are also decreasing the sperm count, we are truly looking at a population decline that will be so significant. You know, I question whether or not it is something that the human race will be able to survive. Now, of course, you guys know I am a very, very strong in my faith. So at the end of the day, God is in control. 
And no man can do anything without God allowing it, but for his glory and his purpose. And ultimately we know if you believe, you know that this battle has already been won, but it's interesting to watch it all play out because we've been given warnings throughout the scriptures. There are warnings about how the end comes and what are the signs to look for and what are the things that are going to happen. So we're seeing that can't deny it. We're seeing it. And people will say, Oh, people have thought the end was here for generations. And they've seen, you know, during their time, things were happening and they thought that, you know, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Look at everything that's happening. And this is true. This is very true. So I'm, I'm just going to say, at least now from, from what I've seen happening during our generation, it looks like things are wrapping up and that some big things are going to be happening soon. And so I just say, keep your eyes open, but don't be afraid because at the end of the day, if you're living your life, the way you ought to live it, if you believe that Jesus came to give you an opportunity to have eternal life, then there's no reason for you to be afraid. And then, and let me just say, there's no reason for you to jump in and fall for whatever suggestions these so-called experts are making when it comes down to your health. If you truly believe and have faith that you serve a God who is all powerful and all knowing, then slow down, take a deep breath and pray before you make rash decisions. Do not let these people fear monger you into making a decision because you're so afraid that you might lose your life or your loved one's lives or your health and well-being because you're afraid you might lose your job or that you might end up homeless. Do not let them bully you into this stuff because the stuff is, uh, it's irreversible. So slow down, take a deep breath and consult with your God before you make these decisions. One of the things that's interesting is that, you know, and I know you guys probably heard about this, but Johnson and Johnson had, well, you know, the, um, the FDA has revoked the provisional license or the ability for Johnson and Johnson to disseminate their vaccines, their COVID vaccines. So yeah, even though they have revoked their ability to, for us to be able to get Johnson and Johnson vaccines, what does that do for people who actually got those vaccines, who are actually injured by those vaccines? What is their recourse? Because they did that. Obviously they did that for a reason. They're obviously saying we have seen a significant number of uh, negative side effects from this particular vaccine that we need to take it off the market for the safety of our citizens. So that's an acknowledgement that these particular vaccines were not as safe as they originally thought. So not only do they take them off the market, but they also, because these vaccine companies had complete immunity, all those who were injured have no recourse. They have nothing left but their injuries. It doesn't seem fair to me. I, I'm pretty sure it doesn't seem fair to them. I'm sure it's probably doesn't seem fair to you guys either, but that's where we are. So we have an acknowledgement that what they told us was it's safe and effective, safe and effective. Do your part. They really, really did. They really said all these things. And now they're backtracking and saying, well, as it turns out, not as safe and safe and effective as we once thought. 
So just another one of those J and J products on the market that got recalled that hurt or killed a lot of people. And because of our legal system, they won't have to pay, but we will. So this new outbreak, this new neurovirus is what they are seeing on these um, cruise lines. Sounds similar to the symptoms that my family had and some other people have had recently. Wondering if any of you guys have, have noticed this trending near you, this gastrointestinal upset. And are you noticing any clues surrounding it? Because that's one of the things when I was talking to my sister about it, we were trying to understand like, where did it come from and why now? Why is it that when she was, you know, with my nephew, and of course they're close in age and they play together, they're like the best of friends. So they're always together. Why is it that when she was with him, she didn't get sick? But when she was at school, she came home sick. And so I have a hypothesis. This is just my thinking. And I shared it with my sister and she actually was like, yeah, I think you're right. My sister um, has three children, four children, but three that she gave birth to. And my nephew has autism. Ever since he was, well, it was even before he was diagnosed, but she decided to change the way that they eat. She changed their, um, the way that she cooked for them and what she allowed them to eat. And part of it was in an effort to see if it would help her help him. And it did actually. So they, they stopped eating highly processed foods. She, re, she started reading the labels of everything. She became like completely an expert in all things food related, what things were, what, you know, how they'll label something and you don't know exactly what it is. She was able to stay up on what things were healthy, what things were not, what things to avoid. Like if they said natural flavors, which, what does that really mean? So she was really on it, like really, really on it. And for a while they were also vegan. And what's interesting is when she did a detox, a heavy metal detox on my nephew, along with changing his diet, he went from not talking to being able to talk. He was around three years old at this point and was not talking and communicating until she did that. And after she did that, he starts talking, which to me was an incredible association. I've heard people in the past talk about this because it never affected me directly. I really only heard it like in the distance, you know, it's not something that you put a whole lot of attention on, but, but you remember back in the day when they used to talk about autism and they used to say it's diet related. And if you change their diet and, you know, they, well, first of all, they said it was vaccine related and diet related. And of course, everyone, in mainstream media, you know, there was this whole cult against those anti-vaxxers and we all pushed back and said, they're crazy. They're crazy. They don't know what they're talking about. Turns out that they were fully aware of what they were talking about because it directly impacted them. And they saw the changes happen before their very eyes. They saw normal children turn into abnormal children. So they were onto something that we weren't yet privy to until, you know, this whole COVID thing happened. But one of the things with my sister is that she is 
really, really strong in advocating for her kids when it comes to their, their diet. She had rules, very strict on what they could and could not eat. Well, my niece goes to a school where she's not allowed to bring her food. And all of the food that they get is whatever the school gives them. And of course, the school gives them things that have high fructose corn syrup in them. They have these dyes in them. You know, like she was telling me it was kind of funny, but she was, um, her daughter was asking for some peaches the other day. And she was like, here, she was like, I'm giving, she gave her some peaches. And she was like, these aren't peaches because the peaches, fresh peach, you know, wasn't the kind of peaches she was used to getting. Cause the ones she got from school were the ones that are soaked in syrup and then the little containers. So obviously she's now ingesting things that her body is not accustomed to. And also goes to show you, it's a great study and, you know, at least observational study of the changes in diet and how they can affect someone. Because now that she's eating these things at school that my sister is not able to regulate, all of a sudden she's getting sick. And so why is it that she did not get sick when they were on vacation and they were, you know, and she was sleeping in the bed with her brother and never got what he had. But when she goes back to school over a month later, she's all of a sudden getting the same illness that he had had prior. At least the symptoms are the same. And my, my hypothesis is that because she was now ingesting things that had these toxins in them, including high fructose corn syrup, which I've talked about in the past, but high fructose corn syrup, it, it basically works like this. You need vitamin D. Vitamin D is a hormone that plays a significant role in your immune response. You can be outside and get as much vitamin D as your body can stand. But if you eat or drink something with high fructose corn syrup, it basically acts like a switch and it turns off your body's ability to use vitamin D. So now your immune system will be weakened and viruses can come and have a field day. I mentioned this to my dad once, and he was telling me how he had a friend who was older, but he was very active. He played golf all the time, but for some reason he still was getting sick. I think he had gotten COVID or something like that. And I said, you know, the thing is, and my dad has known about all of this stuff when it comes to vitamin D for years, way, way, way before it became something mainstream where doctors were even testing for it. My dad has always known about this because he, he follows holistic doctors. And so he had, when I mentioned to him, what I had learned about the whole vitamin D and high fructose corn syrup correlation, he was actually surprised and said, you know what, that is probably what happened. It, what, that's probably why his friend was getting sick. And I believe that's actually why a lot of people see more illnesses in their children, school-age children. Not only are they exposed to these toxins and these pathogens and viruses being around other kids, but they're also eating garbage, right? So you're eating this food that will basically turn down the power of your immune response. And then you're inviting all these pathogens in to wreak havoc. And you're eating food that is causing inflammation in your body. 
right? So you only have so many resources that you can utilize to fight these battles, right? If your body is focused on fighting these, you know, fires within your body because of inflammatory responses that are sparking up all over the place due to the things that you're ingesting, due to the things that they're spraying in the air, the chemicals that we're exposed to on a daily in the soil, in the water bottles, you know, we're trying to drink healthy. We're trying to eat healthy. We're drinking our water bottles, but the plastic has phthalates and different things that are leaching out of them. So you've got all of these, these uh, you're under attack, right? But then on top of that, you are being exposed to all these other kids who it's actually, it's good to be exposed to viruses. It's good to be exposed to germs because you need them in order to fight infections and to build your own natural immunities. You need to be exposed to bacteria and germs. So please don't misunderstand. This is a good thing. We want our kids to be around other kids. We want them to be exposed to all the different viruses because viruses are an amazing way of nature sharing information between the species. It helps us to advance. So don't misunderstand, but if your immune system is compromised and you're being exposed to these viruses, well, there you go. You're going to get sick. So that's what I think is happening. I, I, and it's a theory untested observational, but I think that if we were to do some testing, and to change the diet of kids in school or in these situations where they're around a lot of kids, maybe in a daycare, but you could really, really strictly control the food that they eat and also then control that same food that they're eating at home and see if there's a difference in the amount of infections. Because if the, if the reality is true, that this next pandemic is, in, is going to target children if the truth is that these, these labs, these bio labs that they have found in Ukraine that they're concerned about, but that exist across all over the world, these bio labs where they're actively working on developing viruses to be used as bioweapons, weapons and warfare, what can we do to protect ourselves? I'm going to read this article to you real quick before I end the show, but I think it's significant. And I want you to start looking at your food labels. I know you guys, I know I talk about food labels, but this is something that I ignored before because when you're young and air quotes here, young and healthy, you know, relatively healthy, you just think you're invincible. And as you get older, you start to realize that things break down and you want to, you want to last in a state of at least be comfortable as you age and not be sick and hurting. So you start to really start to pay attention to the things that lead to you feeling like, ugh, life sucks, right? So here's this article. Artificial sweetener, erythritol's major health risks. It's natural to think that foods labeled as no sugar or less sugar must be better for us. And our artificial sweeteners can sound like a better choice than sugar, especially if you're living with diabetes, following a keto diet, or looking to lose weight. But in truth, that might not be the case. A growing body of evidence suggests artificial sweeteners can be worse for you than table sugar. Let me pause right there and just say, here's a plug for natural sweeteners. My favorite, honey. Honey is good for you. Honey has all of these medicinal properties. If you want something sweet, just use a little honey because you know it's so highly concentrated. You don't need a lot of it. Stop with these artificial sweeteners and start using things that are actually good for you. Just eat less of it. Okay, back to the article. 
And recent research is connecting one particular artificial sweetener, erythritol, with some very serious health risks. We're looking for compounds in blood that predict risk for experiencing a future heart attack or stroke. The top candidate that kept showing up was erythritol, says Stanley Hazen, MD-PhD, a specialist in preventative cardiovascular medicine, who was the senior author of the study. Erythritol is one of the most common artificial sweeteners around. It's a very popular ingredient in a lot of food marketed for weight loss and diabetes management. The very people who are being targeted for foods that contain erythritol are the same people who already are at increased risk for cardiovascular events. So this is very concerning, he notes. What's even more concerning, your foods may contain erythritol without you even realizing it. Dr. Hazen explains what erythritol is and why it's bad and how to avoid it. What is erythritol? Erythritol is a kind of artificial sweetener known as a sugar alcohol, though it's not actually sugar or alcohol in the way we typically think of those words. In addition to erythritol, common sugar alcohols include xylitol, sorbitol, malitol, or no, maltitol, mannitol, isomalt, lactitol, and hydrogenated starch hydrolysates. Sugar alcohols aren't as sweet as sugar. Artificial sugars like aspartame or equal and saccharin, sweet and low, on the other hand, can be up to 700 times sweeter than sugar. Our bodies naturally create sugar alcohols, including erythritol. Erythritol is also commercially manufactured by fermenting corn. That commercially made erythritol is added to foods, and that's where things get messy. Erythritol is made by our own bodies as part of our metabolism, but at very low levels, Dr. Hazen explains. Naturally occurring erythritol isn't the problem. It's the high doses of erythritol from packaged foods that we're seeing have very adverse effects. What are the dangers of erythritol? Sugar alcohols like erythritol have long been known to cause digestive issues for some people. Dr. Hazen's research shows that tummy trouble is just the beginning. The study shows that erythritol is closely associated with risk for major adverse cardiovascular events. In other words, people who have high blood levels of erythritol are more prone to heart attacks, strokes, and even death. The researchers studied the blood of more than 4,000 people in the U.S. and Europe. They were looking for common threads that could indicate an increased risk for heart conditions. What they found was that the people who had more erythritol in their blood were at elevated risk for major heart problems. Taking it a step further, the researchers gave erythritol to animal models. They saw enhanced clot formation in models of arterial disease. They added erythritol to blood outside of the body and found that adding erythritol to blood made it clump up or form a blood clot by activating platelets. Brief pause. Sound familiar? Sound like that mRNA technology they've been injecting in everybody? Okay, so... Is it possible that this is either a cover-up for that, or this is in combination with that injection causing an increase in heart attacks and an increase? And see, these are all questions that may be answered if I were to actually have read this study. So I encourage you to go and find this study and read it and do your research. I've learned so much about these studies that come out and um, how important it is to really dig in. Uh, you guys know I like to follow some of these doctors who are really heavy into research. I don't think that they get it all the way right, but um, they talk a lot about making sure that you understand where the study came from, who funded it, what, what there were results were, reading it and seeing, do 
does the information that's being um, disseminated match up with the actual findings? So anyway, I said all that to say that, you know, it, this sounds very familiar. I know you guys have heard about this whole, you know, something being added, adding something to the blood, causing it to clump up or form blood clots. It could be just a, you know, an added thing that's causing these increased strokes and heart attacks that we're seeing with all these people who are dying in their sleep or dying suddenly. Okay. Back to the article. Almost done. Platelets are the tiny components in your blood that rush to the site of an injury to stop us from bleeding that keeps you from bleeding out. But when they're activated within our bodies, they cause blood clots, which can lead to heart attacks and strokes. A serving of erythritol and common keto-friendly processed food products made blood levels of erythritol go up 1000 fold, well above the levels linked to enhanced clotting risks. Dr. Hazen says states, we found that the risk for clotting can be increased for several days after consumption of just one serving of artificially sweetened food containing erythritol. Dr. Hazen makes it clear that more studies will be needed to confirm these findings and to learn more. Importantly, the current research shows high erythritol in your blood is associated with heart attacks and strokes. It doesn't prove erythritol actually causes those conditions, but the results should be taken as very serious warning signs. It wasn't a modest effect. It was a very large effect that we were seeing reproduced across multiple groups and across geographies, he says. This research shows that we should be really cautious about eating processed foods containing erythritol. The article goes on to talk about how it's used, how to avoid it. And um, I really, I mean, there's a few more paragraphs that I really wish I could read, but I don't have time. Guys, I'm sorry, I ran out of time, but I really, I'll include the link to the article in the show notes so that you can look into this further, because I cannot even tell you how many food products I've come across already that have erythritol in it. Stay away from this stuff. Keep your kids away from this stuff. And let's see if we can keep them healthy enough to avoid whatever virus they plan on unleashing on us next. This is Nurses Out Loud. I am your host, Nurse April, and my goal is to shine a light in the darkness. It's time 